1: The Westwood One Podcast Network.
2: The toughest climbs have the prettiest views. When you feel like you can't climb anymore, to keep climbing because the the view once you get to the top is going to be worth all that pain and all that toughness and all those moments of questioning and worrying. Team
1: never quit. Team never quit. Team never quit. Radio.
3: All right, guys, I was thinking the other day when I was listening to the J.J. Watt episode. I know you guys have this, like, non-violence pact towards each other. But if you guys were to get in an arm wrestling contest, who would win? That mean him? Yep. I'm right-handed. He's left-handed. We can't arm wrestle. No, no, just doesn't work, huh?
4: No, nothing whatsoever. <laughs> even that part, yeah, we can't even
3: do that. Yeah, he'd win. He'd win right. He had him win lefty. I don't know. It's weird. weird, huh, right? I think I prompted this question a couple days ago, and you mentioned this, like, documentary that people must watch. Oh, Pulling John. Pulling John. Okay, so... He, he got me on that, too. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah.
4: But, yeah I was John Brzezink. John brazink So in all the sports across the country or the world, if you will, the longest reigning world champion is in arm wrestling. In all sports. In all sports. And it's this guy? It's this John guy's name, John Brzezink. They call him... He's, the, he's call hey, it, you the. You haven't seen this. You need to watch it. I mean, you don't even have to... It goes into the history of arm wrestling, and then there's multiple different guys. Does he have just one big bicep? Or is he overall? Yeah, no, he just, has nothing to do with biceps. I mean, biceps man. Is he a big it's, guy? It's, no, no, very unassuming. He's a he's a. Um, he works at an airport, right? He he used to. He just um, yeah. That's he he worked for American Airlines so he could throw in baggage so he could get buddy passes to travel to the Armelson competitions. The movie Over the Top is
3: about him. Okay, so there's another movie, Over the Top. Over the Top yeah, with it Stallone. On. It's Arm, wrestling. It's arm wrestling. It's movie. You
4: never seen it. I haven't seen it. So they called <laughs> they called and he wasn't a big guy. I mean, obviously his forearms and his biceps, shoulders and everything were crazy, but they called him the Goliath killer. So he was in it. I don't even know if he was 6 foot tall. He was a heavyweight. Or he wasn't a heavyweight, but in in arm wrestling, every weight class goes and then they have an all around. So and he never lost for 26 years. Nobody could come to the table. Pulling John, and it is a great documentary. It got me into arm wrestling. I guess about six years ago. I watched it like six, seven times. Man, really got big into it. I know? looked it up on Netflix. It wasn't there, so I think I'll they have took to it. Off. I think they took it off. Searching. But you can find it on YouTube. Okay, it's it's well worth it just to watch it because it's it's present day and actually he's he, a Russian up and coming Russian. The the documentary follows three people. It follows John, it follows another guy, another guy from West Virginia Jeremy. named Travis Bajan. Travis Travis. Yeah. And then it a a Russian a Russian man that's uh and Armisen's big in Russia, right? Travis Bajan is the up and coming new hot new hotness, but he's got a mouth. I mean, he talks more shit than Muhammad Ali. And he's a lefty. Uh to 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 date right now he's still undefeated left-handed. He's he's the number 1 guy. But uh so the documentary—I won't spoil it for anybody—but it, it, you have to watch it, and it really documents his, John's journey through all through these 26 years and how everybody respects. He's a very humble guy. Doesn't does not talk smack when he gets up to the table. But I mean, just hammer some bitches, dude. And I mean, this I mean, one,
1: the, the Russian guy, dude. He's
4: there's, there's three dudes got a rope tied around his three dudes with their legs on the on the t- table, on a table trying and a rope, to pull him over. and a rope
1: trying to pull him down, dude. And and they can't pull him. And oh, it's good, man. It's 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 entertaining as shit. I'll, you know, yeah. Watch right so now. present
4: day, you know, to get into it, arm wrestling is really kind of coming, not really mainstream, but it, I, I I follow it quite a bit. And there's another guy named um, Devin LaRotte. He's a Canadian cat, and Buddy, just the horsepower these guys got in their arms.
1: Every now and again, you'll, you'll be thumbing through the channels and find some arm wrestling on, you know, ESPN eight, the Ocho, or something like that. I don't, I don't know what what it shows up on, but it, it it's something, man. The cast of characters because John is so he's quiet, and Travis, like I said, he's Muhammad. He's got a mouth on him, man, but that, it it plays into the whole whole deal, and it, it's well made. Everybody, I
4: mean, guys are your size. They're from all walks of life. But it doesn't matter when they get to the table. I mean, because like Devin is like six six, he's got really long arms, and then but he will come up against another guy whose arms half as long, and it's it is all technique. And to watch these guys, forms like a sack of pecans, dude, <laughs> man. They just get in there and just, <laughs> rah, just jerk that, dude. It's I mean the back and forth, <laughs> dude. The best one liner. I'll say this one. So Travis Bajan, the left handed champion, they're in the finals. This is a few years back. They're in the finals, and when they pull their hands apart, they have to strap up. The second they come off, they strap. Okay? So they can't come apart anymore. And uh, so they, so he's he's wrestling this other fuck like, I think it was Dave uh Chappie was the guy's name. Anyway, they came apart and when they kept back to the table and Travis put his arm down, they start strapping him up. Tra- best 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 line ever, ever. Travis looks across the table at this dude and he's like, wait till you feel this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and I mean fucking through the table. <laughs> I was the coolest. I didn't expect it. I was kind of sitting on the couch watching it. And as they were strapping him up, Travis kind of looked, goes across and uh, looks yeah, yeah, at him. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Because he's a great big old dude. And he's like, where do you feel this that shit? Yeah, country boy. Yeah, he's from West Virginia.
1: Yeah, he's got him on rusty-ass hands, dude. <laughs> you don't even see a wrist. It's just kind of a just a wrist and a, an a elbow. It's all palm. And he
4: knows he's <laughs> the best, too, so he really talks that game. Oh, oh man.
3: That takes me right into uh, today's Patreon question of the day, which comes from Todd. And this question is for Morgan. Morgan, since your back got jacked up, mentioned in the book Service, what activity would you be doing these days you wisely don't consider?
4: Running 100-mile races.
3: Yeah. (laughs) What about dirt biking and all the other stuff you do?
4: Yeah. Race dirt bikes. I do ultra marathons, downhill mountain biking. Yeah, I didn't slow down. at all and I'm not, I never will I'm not going to let the old man in I it's guess. better to it's better to wear out than rust out Todd <laughs> that's my philosophy on life
1: yeah when you go on the other side man don't come what did you say man don't roll in there with a brand new car shit man
4: been a world, <laughs> old and busted
1: yeah like you stole
4: it <laughs> worn down on the hub yeah it's always better to wear out than rust out my friend that's my philosophy on life broke bad, busted back legs it didn't matter David Goggins said it best. It was like, somebody asked him, like, if your leg's broke, doesn't it hurt to keep running? Wouldn't you stop me? He's like, why should pain stop you? Oh,
3: Goggins. Goggins. All oh, pain
1: Goggins. Is a reminder that there's something, you know, missing, there's something wrong. That's it. It's kind of like...
3: an indicator light.
1: What is it? An yeah, indicator light. That's
3: what that is. It's <laughs> just <laughs> a check engine light. You can go another thousand miles. Yeah, oh, yeah. My,
4: <laughs> mine's on right now.
1: <laughs> Same with blood. Like blood's kind of a
4: check indicator too. Now if it's spewing out of the hood, <laughs> then you might want well to take a look. Pull at over.
3: It. Somebody <laughs> like radiator fluid coming out on this thing. thanks for the thanks for the question, Todd. If you want your question to be asked, join us on Patreon, Patreon.com/teamneverquit. Let's get into a listener story. This week's listener story is uh, going to be an awesome one. I'll let Morgan jump into that.
4: Uh, the title's uh, Death Leads to More, Not Less. March 19, 2018, my best friend and hero died after just a brief 12-day battle with cancer. My dad was one of the greatest influences in my life. I served in the Navy as he did, and I even worked at the same company that he did. I could have given up in that moment that he left the earth. Lord knows the things I said to myself were not pretty. Deep inside, though, I knew he always wanted more. I then had to accept my personal accountability that I had floated for most of my life. I always tried hard enough not to get bitched at, but not hard enough to truly be great. My time in the Navy, one might say, was my biggest accomplishment yet, but I know that I truly just served always thinking about getting out. I did enough at work to keep my job and hopefully not get written up, but my mouth always found a way to get me in trouble. Legal trouble in 2012 due to alcohol. Needless to say, I needed a wake-up call. I wish I could say it didn't take losing my dad to wake me up, but it truly did. In the last year, I received three awards for superior performance at work. I may also be in line for a promotion. As for physical, I told myself I would never be a runner, and yet this past weekend I completed a half marathon. I also got engaged. The biggest thing I've learned is you have to want more for yourself in order to get the true greatness in life. When it's all said and done, I'm proud and I can say I never quit. God bless and stay great. Thank you for sharing that story with us, Matt. I'm sorry for the loss of your father, but as you said, in the long run, engaged a marathon, and you're doing well at work. I appreciate you sharing your never quit
1: story with us. Yeah, brother. Thanks for writing in, man. I, I even when uh, as our dads are around, they they uh it, you can't really step into the uh, the dad role until your father passes away. Because if something goes wrong, he, you can always go to them, but. Uh, that's why you catch yourself saying the things that they used to say when they were around. And the reason you're saying them is because they're not around anymore. So take all the good things that you learned from your dad and, and uh, keep charging forward, brother. Do you love the TNQ podcast? Make sure you subscribe to get notified about our latest episode each week. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player. I've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests over the years, including Peter Berg, Damian
3: Washington, JJ Watt, David Goggins, just to name a few. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Then you're going to want to join us on Patreon. Uh, Joshua, Angel, Johnny, Bobby, Nicholas, Cindy, all these folks have joined us on our Patreon page. They're a part of our team. We'd love for you to be a part of the team. These guys are helping us put this show out every single week, share these stories, give you guys bonus content, and we couldn't do it without you guys. So thanks for the support. Thanks for the love. If you want to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash Team Never Quit.
4: My name's Morgan. How you doing? I'm Marcus's older brother. I'm the better. I'm the I'm the best kept secret in the family.
1: That's right. In the family, <laughs> they just say I was kind of what was left. Uh, I, I'm Marcus, and to everybody out there on the team, this is Victoria Allen and her story. From what we hear, is just unbelievable. Uh, how do we
4: say? So is Arlen? Do we say your name Arlen? Is that how you pronounce your last name? So we say it right.
2: It's Arlen. Yeah.
4: And then we got Andrew hiding behind the, hide, the wizard, hiding behind the back, uh, behind the back, make sure all this goes down right. Hey hey. So as I was saying, uh, Victoria, I've 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 been inside the uh, YouTube channels watching everybody pulling everything up, and I'm a science guy actually, and the brain is I'm a big brain guy, and your story, not is one of the happiest (laughs) stories I've ever I've ever experienced, but it's it's gut wrenching, it's heart wrenching, it's sad, excited, and we don't have enough time in this in this short forty five minutes to chat everything up. That I would want to talk to you about, so we'll try to hit the high points and get into the weeds. But yours, um, your, uh, do me one favor for the rest of your life, don't ever stop smiling because your smile is infectious. It has got to be the prettiest smile oh I've ever my seen. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> and so every time all you're the all very the when I'm watching ESPN, the highlights on ESPN, and then your videos of Dancing the Stars, and when you were on Megyn Kelly and so on and so forth, man, no, I just, every time you crack a smile, it seemed to levitate the room. And I just wondered, I wanted to personally tell you that.
2: Oh, thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate that. It's Sometimes uh, sometimes it takes a lot to smile. I think we all know life can get a little challenging.
1: Oh, it absolutely can. And that's the reason most people come here to kind of get it. They get in those challenging situations and they're looking for some ways to kind of get out of it. Or if they're not in a challenging situation, they're trying to get some, uh, some knowledge to uh, you know, further the understanding of, of the hardships of life and how they can just prevent it. And when it comes to your story mm-hmm. and what you've been through in, in your capacity, I mean it's uh it's it's unbelievable like my like my brother said. So if uh if you wouldn't mind explaining some of that and kind of giving a background on yourself and then uh please get into your, your great yeah, never quit absolutely. story.
4: There's I mean, there's some specific questions I cannot wait to ask you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, so
2: when I was when I was eleven I developed to incredibly rare neurological conditions, and basically went from this completely healthy, normal kid to a complete vegetable in a matter of three months. You know, I lost the ability to walk, talk, move, function, uh, cognitive. Everything just started to shut down. Um, but the doctors didn't really know what was going on. So in the beginning, they told my parents I was doing it for attention, and uh, which still baffles all of us. And but uh, but I come. I'm one of triplets. So I come from a family that doesn't step down from a challenge. And so my parents really, you know, really, um, really dove in and were like, well, we're not giving up on our child. And unfortunately, it wasn't until it was too late that doctors figured out what had happened and figured out they had made the mistake. Because what most people don't realize is that there was this very um, small window in which the doctors, when they were calling me crazy, could have completely treated and reversed what was happening to my body
4: with a single but injection the, from and the,
2: the, the rarity yeah steroids a, a round of steroids um this all could have been avoided and so um but we didn't find that out till later on but at this point i was basically what was considered a lost cause and uh and my parents were told that i would either die and if i didn't die i'd be a vegetable the rest of my life and they should uh put me away in a home and move on with some sense of normalcy in their lives and you know, my parents refused to accept that. My whole family refused to accept that. And what uh, most didn't know was I was completely aware. So I'm hearing all this going on around me and being like, "Wait a second, no, this is not how my story ends." And and uh, and really had to kind of lean into my faith and lean into kind of that that this you know you're the you write your own story and how how do you see your story ending? And so um, that really kind of was the next four years four years for me.
4: So let me, let me ask you this, Victoria, when you were, and I want, the reason I'm asking you this is because I want everybody to hear this and know in case they, again, in case they see this happening, when you were slipping into yeah. this vegetative state, but you say you were cognitively aware, which I understand what that means, but was that the case the entire yeah. time or did you, did you fade, fade to black and come back into kind of reality?
2: Yeah. So I, I, um, I faded into, it was about August of 2006. Um, I, I had this like crushed the worst headache. Uh, it was literally as if a car was running over my head and then everything went dark. And so for about a year and a half, I kind of drifted in nowhere land and then came to not realizing that I was locked in. So I'm trying to have a conversation, trying to figure out where I am, trying to figure out what's going on. Oh, no one can hear me and no one's responding. And so that's when I realized that something was really, really wrong and that I was locked in.
4: So when you were locked in, were you aware? aware? Yeah, could you see? I
1: mean, good. Did you did you sleep? Was it like a normal? How was your day locked in, yeah. in like that?
2: So I mean, you have sleep cycles. Like so, lot. So the difference between a coma and locked in. So a lot of people get it mixed up. A coma is um, a coma is like you're you're unconscious, but locked in, you're conscious but unaware to move, unable to move or do anything. So you're basically lo- a prisoner inside your own body, and so. I had sleep cycles. I had, I, I, I could see and hear, but I had no control of where my eyes were looking or I, I had no control. I literally, all I could do was think. And so, um, so basically so you could was, say
1: anything you wanted to in your mind about whoever was
4: standing around you and they had no idea.
2: <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, so I was, I was basically a prisoner. Yeah.
4: So I lay in bed for about four hours at night and I start to hurt all over. Were you experiencing mm-hmm. and, and, and reading the book and understanding? And I know that that's what really got to me. Um, Would were, were your was your did they have you on and on some sort of pain regimen or were you just suffering through that? Because I can only imagine laying down laying for down four like years, laying down for four years. Could you imagine that?
2: <sighs> yeah, I was in so much pain. I was having seizures twenty hours a day. I was having migraines constantly. But like, see, there's nothing worse the not being able to cry and not being able to say that you're in pain and not being able to speak up for it. So they had no idea. I mean, I think they tried to, and my parents were very much aware of trying to make me as comfortable as possible. But when you can't verbalize what you're feeling, no one no one can read your mind. And so I was in unbearable pain. And there's nothing worse than being in pain and not being able to cry and scream and be like, help me. So that's when I really learned how to um, kind of meditate in a sense. So just and how can say to say meditate. Like, shift my brain and like go somewhere else. Like I always would go to a specific spot on the, uh, so I grew up on this beautiful Lake um, and that's always my happy place. I mean, that's where I've kind of run away this month because last the last couple of the last, you know, eight months have been insane. So I, I ran away this month to the Lake and, and, um, and there was a, there's a specific view that, um, also that might start sounding funny because it's starting to rain. Uh, there's a specific view that, um, that I went to. And so when I was really sick, I would just go to that view and just try to imagine that and meditate on that.
4: When, so let me, so let me ask you this, when you, when, when we're locked in and, and you do the meditation, but we're here for four years, do we do... Do we sing songs in our head? Do we do math problems? I want to know how, for, for anybody on the outside that, that would be looking in, what what what, 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 what 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 how did you live your life? Because obviously it was all internal, but you had to do something.
2: I think I just, I tried to practice a lot of gratitude. And then I, I did, I would do math problems. I would pay attention. There were so many machines that were, um, there were so many machines that were going off. So I'd find patterns and sounds. Um, I really tried, my biggest fear was losing my mind, like literally, like losing my brain power. So I would spend a lot of that time, I would spend a lot of that time trying to work my brain and trying to get my brain to like keep functioning and also give myself a bit of, you know, a reality check and be like, all right, my name is Victoria. This is how, this is math. This is this. So I I had to do stuff to just try and keep my brain going.
4: right. And I know your family was there
1: always. I guess this doesn't even compare to what you had to go through. I mean, in, in, in that kind of four years you're something. Wow. Yeah. Well, and, and what we did for a living, we spent a lot of time underwater. And i me and a buddy of mine, I mean, yeah. hours, eight, ten hours underwater at a time and pitch black water. And, and it's truly, you, you, it's kind of locked into that space. So you can't see anything, can't hear yeah. anything. and I, And I remember in the beginning, you know, you just kind of trying to figure out what everything is. Right. And then, then yeah. you start like, all right, what have I always let me just what can I do in my head to learn? Well, let me learn my alphabet backwards. Right. And then kind of start with stuff that you wouldn't even think yeah. of. And then you're like, all right, let me let me see if I can remember my the oldest person I've ever met. Right. The, my oldest friend and go put them in yeah. order from there to then. Right. I mean, and then that's the best part about having a wonderful life and the people around you to share that with is because they're it's um it's your thoughts really that that occupy your life. And when you're not, oh, absolutely. When, you know, other than that, you're making them, you're making your memories, you're going out, that's what your body's for. It goes out and stimulates the brain, and locks everything in. So if that's taken away from you and all you have is your mind, then that's the great part about having a
3: family and, and everything like that. Yeah,
1: I can't believe you had to go
3: through that. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm sure that there was a couple of times when you had some like really dark moments and dark thoughts, like what was it that you did? I mean, you talk a lot about like the things that you did to keep your, your mind sharp, but what did you do to come out of those darker moments in those four years?
2: I found, honestly, I found my faith. I really, I really found my faith and, and found that, um, that, you know, I mean, no one else could hear me. So I just started praying to God and, and realized that, you know, my story doesn't end in defeat. And I had to keep telling myself that. And I I also would dream and, and, and picture what my life would look like if I got out of this hospital bed, you know, and, and I pictured doing crazy things like winning a gold medal or dancing on dancing with the stars or being in front of a camera and, and, and all these different things and using my voice to make a difference. And so I really, I really honestly um, kind of tried to lean into my faith but also lean into the fact that, you know, I'm not in control of this. And the only one that is, is God. and, And it would literally have to be a miracle to get me out of this. And so believing in that miracle, but also, believing in the beauty of every day and believing that every day I woke up, I was defying the odds because uh, tomorrow was not, was definitely not guaranteed. I mean, it's not guaranteed for any of us, but tomorrow for sure for me was not guaranteed. And so every day I woke up, I kind of was like, all right, I'm, I'm alive. Like how, how am I one day closer to, to that victory and to that, that, that blink of hope, if you will, or that moment of breaking through. And so I kind of held on to all that because I really didn't have another choice because I realized things could get really dark really quickly. And I didn't want to go down that path because I knew once I started going down that path, there was no turning back. And so I did everything in my power to fight that, that urge to flip down that slippery slope.
4: So that, that was going to be my next question is what, what was it that you were doing internally that was breaking down that wall? And, and obviously faith goes into it and admirations of being an Olympic swimmer and being on camera and do you think do you think the power behind that because it, it from what i understand it was one day and if you could tell us did the doctors give you something a, a shot or something that kind of that triggered you and allowed allowed you to start coming out of that and you made eye contact with your mom for the first time and then that's when she knew that you knew like, hey i'm in here and i'm i'm working my way through this problem
2: Um, yeah, so it was, they were, I was having these really bad seizures. And so I wasn't, um, I was having trouble, uh, like sleeping, I wasn't sleeping. And so the doctor's like, we need to knock her out. She needs to sleep. Like, this is really bad. And so they gave me a sleeping medication and some way by the grace of God, the sleeping medication, uh, stopped the neurotransmitter that was sending me seizure signals. And so for brute, for the first time in well over a year, I wasn't seizing every, you know, every minute. And, uh and so for that moment, I kind of had this like, okay, what do I have? Like, what can I do? What can I do? Like, I was like, I have this moment, like I have this free time. And because I mean, after four years, I think anyone would start to worry that, you know, that, that people are going to give up or that, which my family never, I mean, they planned on taking care of me the rest of their lives. And, and so, but, I just was like, I need a sign. And so I realized I had my eyes. And so I started, first off, I just really enjoyed the fact that I could look left, right, up, down, and even cross. them if I wanted to, like, I was excited that I had some something to move, you know? Um, and then, and then I real, and then it was, uh, then it was being able to make eye contact with my mom and she saw me, I saw her and then she walked a little closer and she was like, "If, if you can hear me, can you blink twice? And, and I did. And that was, like, that turning point where they realized, she's in there, she's in Damn. there, she's been in there. So, <laughs> That's
4: amazing. Uh, and that was, like, the,
2: if nothing, like, I've done a lot of cool things in my life, but the coolest thing I've ever, the biggest accomplishment I've ever done was being able to blink and just being able to, like, I'm still here. Huh. Hmm.
4: And then that was in, that was in 2010, correct? Yep. And then short, and then yep.
2: just the end. two yep.
4: years later, you're swimming. Yeah. You're breaking a world record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. So you got to think
1: about it like this. It, we all go through go, gold is forged in fire. The hotter the fire, the purer the gold. Right. So when, when, yeah. when you, when you're born, yeah. like our kids are the, are the next version of us. Just all the doors are shut. So you're looking at yeah. the next version of yourself and you're trying to follow yourself through life to see which way you go. But you're also the combination of your mother and your father. But yeah. we go through all of that. And in the first 40 years, it's kind of like you're just developing an opinion, and then after that perspective and then yeah. wisdom hopefully drops in. But the older we get, we, we with the noise and everything that's around us, we can't really concentrate on what, on, uh, on the voice that's really talking to us and screaming at us, which you were talking about is God, right? Because when you get locked into a certain situation yeah. like that, that's, it's, it's almost one of those deals like, hey, I've been trying to scream at you so long, you weren't paying attention, I had to do this to you. And, yeah you have no choice right, and I, 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 and I, I got like you now i like, I like to call sometimes. that detention right like you just got strapped into detention so all you can do is just focus on what you're supposed to and what you're doing now is called yeah. dream walking that's what i do our life is a dream walk because when you get into those situations when they take your physical body away from you and yeah. you have nothing but your mind then you start our whole lives we plant we, we think about the days that uh, that we're in and the days ahead, we kind of play it out in our head and that, and the better you get at something, the more you do that. That's what makes people professionals and champions, because even when they're not doing their something they're it's in their head and they're playing it out. And that's just, that's mind memory and muscle memory and how all that plays in. Yeah. So the fact that, I mean, you spent those, once you figured out the plan and what was really happening and that, that you're not really in con- in control of this, man, you just kind of running, <laughs> you're working for somebody else now that, all right, well, all I yeah. have to do ultimately is sit here and plan it out, plan out my, the rest of my life and, and how I want to do it and how much fun yeah. I want to have until, until they take it away from me again. And when you're doing that, everything yeah. that you thought of is played out because you've already played it out. There's no other way. Yeah. If it's already in your head, right, and, then you've, already, and you've thought about it so much and you've conditioned yourself, the body will naturally react and follow it. The problem most people yeah. have when they're switching kind of uh, routines, I'd say two weeks. If I want something, I usually wait two weeks. If I still want it, then I'll put money away to go buy it. And the same way with working out or doing anything to develop a habit or to get rid of one. The mind and body, once it gets locked into something, it creates a routine. That's why the body kind of shapes itself around that routine. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I want to work out. So when the mind is ultimately convinced it wants to do that, it go, starts going to the gym and it starts working out. Well, the body hadn't been there yet. And it starts to get sore yeah. and complain and, and, you know, it's like, hey, I don't want to do this. Let's get back to the old. It'll do everything it can through those two weeks to, to bring it back to that old routine. But the minute you pass that yeah. point and ultimately once somebody recognizes it, they're like, hey, man, I, I understand what's going on with you. All right. And it's a it's a slow process, but it's fast. Right. And once you. Yeah once your mind is conditioned to understand that, Hey, there is no going back. This is what I got to do. This is how it's going to play out. Then you just start doing that. You, you dreamwalk, man. Everything that you do, you make up for those times that you were locked down. Kind of.
2: Yeah, for
5: sure.
1: And that's, what's so important about having the family around. I mean, because I mean, they, they know who you are and what you've been through and what you're capable of. And if you can go through that and you, cause that's where the anguish comes from. It's internal. Right. I mean, you got, kind of, we kind of yeah. beat ourselves up on the inside and everything. So you have plenty of time to just sit and think about all that and play it out in your head and understand that, Hey, wait a minute, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. There's nothing new under the sun. Just the people are new and they're just trying to yeah, just get used to, to whatever's going on. That's why chaos, a lot of people are in chaos. They don't know what to do in it, but you, you can't really control it. But what you can do is get into, into it and understand how it, what it's, how it works and how it moves. And you can, the body, like I said, and the mind are an awesome mechanism it can it teaches itself how to survive in any condition point in fact what yeah. you went through
2: well and it's like well and it's a, it's a whole thing and it's it's its perspective and it's taking i think it's easy especially when you go through trauma or when you go through something it's easy to want to go 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 and and i feel like it's those quiet moments that you have to utilize. But I think a lot of us naturally, especially if you've been through something, have like a hero complex where you feel like you have to do it on your own. You have to do this. You have to do that. And, and this whole last year, I've learned about the power of leaning into others and reaching out and, and taking that quiet time or recognize when God's like, Hey, I'm putting you in time out for a hot second and, and kind of re, resetting and recharging and how, you know, we, we, our bodies click in, you know, physically when we have to fight or when we have to get through something. But then that whole brain game is a whole different battle that, that you have to keep working at. That's a muscle that has to keep evolving and building and not getting stuck in certain habits and, and being locked in for four years. I feel like sometimes my brain still thinks it's locked in. And so I get caught up in my head and, you know, sleep deprivation and stress and, uh, overbooked schedule tend to like amplify all of that. And then it's like you fall flat on your butt and you have to be like, all right, reset, like, let's, let's figure this out. And then let's work through that and work out and then reach out on that too. But it's it's so fascinating how the brain and body work and how you have to keep kind of both in check, but it's a lot easier to keep your body in check versus your brain. Your brain can, is a bit of like a wild card. And it's like, whoa, 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 like change the channel or let's sit down and shut the TV off for a hot second and and evaluate that.
1: And in, in the beginning, I mean, your body was, was at that age was growing faster than your mind was, right? Everything was kind of maturing mm-hmm. faster in the body and your mind is still doing the kid thing. And then when you went into that, you yeah. came out ahead of it. So there's a lot of situations I imagine yeah. you get into that your mind is prepped for it and like, Hey, we I know we we can do this. I already got it here locked in the head, just the body's like, Wait a minute, I hadn't done this yet
2: <laughs> Yeah like, minute, minute. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> like, so that that's like, when you hit that like, hit that wall.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then I think sometimes you're at that point where you're like, Am I gonna let this wall knock me down or am I gonna break through it? And and there's been times where I've been knocked down, but then there's been other times where I've, where I break through it and, and it's being okay with either outcome. Like if you do get knocked down, like take a breath and okay, that wall wasn't meant to be broken through. There's another, you know, there's another way to go about this. And then other times you, you kind of feel that fear and feel that, you know, that breaking point and you just break through. And so it's it's like finding that balance, but also being kind to yourself too, that like, Hey, I need a little help breaking down this wall. And and not being afraid to reach out and ask for
1: that. Oh, well, that's one of the coolest parts of where you're at right now, because you know that's that's the Lord's way of saying, "Hey, you're not you're not paying attention. I'm gonna stop you right there." And that, it's not it is, yeah. it, exactly it's not a wall or anything. It's like a pit stop. Like, all right, I guess I gotta go in here for a second yeah. and evaluate or that's let right. something so something catch up. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Time out, detention. He's like, all right, fine. I wouldn't. It th- it's, And ultimately, you know when that's happening because everything is going smooth. Your mind, your your head, you're locked. I'd say locked in. Now that term is actually it's not a bad term. Being like because that's what we say when we when we're in the teams and we are fixing to go in and train or we go on a mission. We say hey lock in, right? So I mean, which means yeah. get your mind. I
2: mean that's why I titled my book. It's a it's a multifaceted title.
1: It's yeah, it's brilliant. It really is because if it, and that's what most people search for that ability to clear their mind and lock in to that moment and to get your yeah. mind and your body on that same level. And it, it truly yeah. is a gift. And like I said, when you when once you have that ability, the way you know you're going too fast is when you hit when you hit the pit stop or the timeout.
2: Yeah, and when everything kind of goes on pause or your path that you thought you were going on gets a little derailed or people, you know, you it's like God clears space and is like, whoa, 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 like you need to you need to like let's take off your little sunglasses and see things and evaluate things and how you're doing and and it's always I feel like those breakdown moments where you feel like you've broken down. Is usually the moments where you have to take a breath, you have to evaluate because a breakthrough is coming, right, and that there's been so much times where I've been like derailed off the street and and I'm you know broken down, not literally, but like broken down and then and then what has come from that is a is a breakthrough, and so I think it's it's understanding that just because you're broken down doesn't mean that you're you're it's a pit stop you're stopping because God is trying to put you on the path of where you're supposed to go, but wean out. The traffic and wean out the unnecessary things or the things or people or places that are going to stunt that or get in the way of that because your journey and your destiny is too precious to let anything get derailed and when you go you know you have to kind of trust that but so many of us fight that like fight those closed doors fight those you know put a question mark where there should be a period and it's like no you just have to let go surrender and trust your journey because that breakthrough is coming but if you spend too much time like fighting the breakdown then then you'll never
1: have your breakthrough yep that's what I always say let go you I mean, you just and, and that ego gets in the way that's that voice kind of that pulls the car to the left or the right a little bit and I, I always look at a lot we never get out of school so on Monday imagine yeah. after the summertime we're all in the same school we're just in different grades and what happens is on Monday, you go in and yeah. you're kind of like, man, I, you're learning new information. She's so like, I didn't have any idea. That's why Mondays are kind of bummers. Like, I don't, man, I just wouldn't paint it. I don't know if I wouldn't paint it. I just did not get it. And then Tuesday is kind of you hear it again. Wednesday, is usually a pop quiz and you're getting your battle rhythm, your flow. Yeah. Thursday, you know, test day or Friday's a test day. And then Saturday, you got off, right? And Sunday, you're kind of relaxing again. And then you yeah. go back in it. And it's just every day, it's literally when you came out of that starting over. And But you got all the knowledge that you have, but you, your body just yeah. started over in kindergarten. And then you kind of, that's my brother and I say, well, yeah. from zero to, zero to 40 is just kind of training, right? You don't know what you are or who you are at all. It's just, yeah. when I say gold is forged in fire, it's because of the first 40 years are supposed to be in that dark spot, man, just kind of testing you and, and molding you into what you're supposed to be. And then you take all that knowledge at 40 yeah. and you start over and you go in a completely different direction like you're in kindergarten. And, but your body has to catch yeah. up with your mind and then it's just going starting over with just the basic stuff. It's just like you're like, hey, I'm in colors and numbers and and just anything I, just listen, right? Just pay attention just open your ears and just listen and, and watch and you get a whole new taste of what's going on around you when you're
3: dreamwalking yeah. like you are. Yeah, speaking of that, Victoria, what was that transition like from really having to depend on yourself for those four years? dealing with your mind and overcoming that and then transitioning to this journey where you have to relearn everything and you have to start to rely on more of the people around you. What what was that transition like?
2: Um, I mean, it's, it's all been, uh, not easy, but I think for me, it was, uh, the hardest part, which, which I think whenever I've said this before has always made people go, wait, what? Um, I think, you know, it was survival, then it was catch up and recover, then it was make up for lost time, and then it was all these different things. And so I think when I came back, I was just so ready to get back and so ready to just kind of dive into it and having the family I had have. And the resources I have, just we all just kind of hit the ground running. So, a lot of that recovery process was almost numbing the pain that I went through in those four years, or did, or not allowing me to really have to think about it because I had to catch up, I had to do this, I had to go back to school, and then, and then as time went on, and it really wasn't until I kind of started diving into uh, a more being in like a more successful season and and being kind of where I would reached, like wow, I think I'm at like. I've really kind of climbed this mountain and now I'm like, wow, I've not only caught up, but I kind of overshot too. And, and, um, you know, God didn't give me double for my trouble. He gave me, you know, quadruple or whatever. It, it was just like, the, it went zero to a hundred. And so I almost found that was harder because when I got to kind of that, that top of the mountain where I realized, wow, like this is all happening and this is, I did it, you know, it, that's when the, the real battle started because that's when, um, that's when I started to have to feel and have to evaluate. And I think when I was writing my book was, was really one of the darker times for me because I was, when you're going through it physically, you're just going through it. And when you're in this recovery mode, you're just recovering because you know where you're trying to go and you know what you want to do. And then it wasn't really until I kind of got there and I, I was doing it all and then doing more of it. And, but then I was in the public eye and all these different things that I was like, Oh man, like, Oh boy, mayday, mayday. You know, it was, it And that's when I, that's when I started leaning on people. You know, I think I was fiercely trying to be independent, trying to do all these things. And so everyone was like giving me the resources and stuff, but I was like doing, you know, doing it on my own and working on it. And and then I think when I, when it came time to, when it was like the one most people would least expect it was when I started leaning on others. And I think that was harder um, than one initially, because initially I was like, all right, I got to do this. But I also physically, you know, couldn't hold my head up and different things and and couldn't hold a pencil or a fork. And so those are things I just learned. And I was fueling the, the frustration and, and all the pain I'd gone through in those four years into that recovery that um, I didn't really stop to think about it. And it really wasn't until about like a year ago or a year and a half ago that that I did kind of struggle with leaning back on other people and leaning in and, and being in the position I'm in and doing all the things that I do now for anyone who hasn't gone through what I've gone through would be stressful and who isn't my age would be stressful you know but then you throw in all those other things it's it's kind of this it can at times be a bit of a tornado and so it's it's learning to kind of reach out it's learning to embrace the timeouts but also like my my family and, and the the people in my life being like hey like we're here and we got you, and it's okay to take your superhero cape off for a little while, and and have your sidekick or have someone that will that will help you through. And so, I think that was harder than the actual recovery thing. The recovery was more so just got to get back to life, got to get back to school. I had such kind of a concrete layout that I had planned, and then, um, but I really, in all honesty, um, I I had to prepare to die for four years. So I really technically, I dreamed about living and I was excited about living, but I didn't really prepare to live. So when it came time where I was out of the recovery mode, I was out of the catch-up mode and I actually could start living, which was about, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, that's when the challenge started. That's when I was like, oh, I didn't prepare for this, you know? And and it wasn't, and, and by the grace of God, it wasn't just, I wasn't going back into this I got thrown into this extraordinary life, which was, which is a blessing, but with every blessing comes burdens and comes the, the, this like double whammy of like, well, why did I live? And, and how do I do this? And then, and then you throw in all the other external factors. It was just kind of this, a bit of a tornado that like when the torn, uh, we have, I kind of have a term with my with my you know with kind of my circle that I'm like sometimes it rains and when it rains I have to reach out and be like hey I need an umbrella or I need you know I need a moment and so um
1: four years they were helping you and you were helping yourself and then when you come out of that when you say it's like a tornado it sure was there's a tornado everything in your mind I mean it was just swirling around in there all everything that you had ever I mean because that's what life is 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 those memories right and how how impactful they are in your head So the strong, when you came out of that and started moving, I mean, you're in the middle of that tornado, just pulling it back in and tucking it inside of you. And that's what kind of drives you now. I mean, you're like a little tornado. There's just everything that's swirling (laughs) around inside of you is, I mean, when you get on that path and you start pushing, man, that's, that's what kind of what drives you. And it's all right to get to that's, like I said, those timeouts, that attention, man, you push yourself so hard because... Hell, I, you know, we was laying around for a while and now I want to, want to catch up and show, you know, Lord, I was paying attention. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just hearing that stuff. I I mean, all right, I'm going to get out here and now. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I told you I was. And it lines out just like it is in your head. And then when you get into those moments and, and those people yeah. show up, it's because they're going through them too. Right. And, and you're a part of that. You're, you're, yeah. you can't, you can't yeah. look at every, those bad situations that you're in now are yours. You got sent in there to handle somebody else's. Yeah. And, uh, and helping them through yeah. theirs because you, you kind of went through your fire right and you came out of it and that yeah. that's your blessing is like all right now now it's, this is yours let's see what you do with it
2: yeah exactly
1: because if you ask it's funny because with with opinion you, there's no usually there's no bodily harm or anything that goes in with that with with perspective you see the good and the bad and you've probably got some scars or some damage and with wisdom when you ask for that you're going to get all you want what comes with that is the yeah. emotional ride. So you have to un- to understand wisdom. You, need, you have to understand every, all the senses and the emotion because the heart drives a lot of that as well. And we're all tapped with a sin inside of us. Yeah. Each, each one has one. You can either harness your sin and help people from it, or you can harness it and hurt people with it. And as you go through yeah. all, yeah. You, you kind of, putting all that into perspective and it kind of creates what you are and and then all those situations that you go into in order to have the wisdom you have to have that emotional side of it i mean so basically you i mean there'll be situations you're not even in but your your friends are going through it and you're you're going on that emotional ride with them because that's how it works just like like if you if you ask the lord for patience he's not going to just tap you with it he's going to go put you in some situations to get it so it's you know everything that you ask for you dream for because in that quiet spot there was no it was just your voice with a straight link up top right and now you're getting to play it
3: out you've had quite the journey since all this happened to you though you know in terms of winning four gold you know when four medals one gold and three silver what were those experiences like for you after all the hard times you faced the four years five years leading up to that
2: Incredible. I mean, I think uh, it, it wasn't easy by any means, but it was incredible. But I, I just feel like everything since then has been, you know, building blocks. You know, just when I thought I'd reach the top of this mountain, God gave me another mountain to climb. And so uh, it's, been, it's been incredible to be able to do that in such a short period of time with such a testimony of how great God is and how you can— you know, your setbacks can be set ups for greater comebacks. Um, but it's the whole, the whole thing's been incredible. It's a bit surreal, but um, it kind of has just led to one thing after the other, after the other. So I, I feel like my mind is continually being blown, which is, uh, which is, uh, I, I know I'm one of the few that get to experience that. So it's, it's, uh, it's really incredible.
1: Well, a lot of people correlate life with climbing a mountain. And in order to do that, yeah. you got to do one hand over the other, one foot over the other. If you skip a couple of steps, you'll, you got a lot further to fall. But also if anybody who's ever climbed a mountain and understands uh, the plateaus and in life, you have plateaus, yeah. which are not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Cause when you hit a plateau, that means it's flat ground. You can walk and catch your breath for a little bit. Right. You hang out there too long, or or if you go back the other direction, you are going to start going down. But if you, you, when you keep climbing, when you hit your plateau, it's just to kind of it's to hone in and harness everything that you had just accomplished behind you. And then once you got that on level ground, then you go to hit the next peak. And you are right. I mean, it's kind of like once you think you get to the top, man, that was just the top of that one to get to the other one. And you don't ever stop climbing. I mean, is there is no for to to come out of that to be Olympic. Olympian, Dancing with the Stars—did all of that come out of of being locked in, or was that there beforehand? And this and that just locked in. Um, I think it
2: was a mixture. I I think like I I had made had these impossible dreams, you know, when I was little. Um, but I think being locked in was where I was, where I was kind of fueling up to really just go after the impossible. You know, I think before it was just these little impossible dreams or these fun little pipe dreams. And then, you know, you go through what I go through and then come out and you're like, ah, I'm just going to go for it. I've got nothing to lose, but everything to gain here.
1: So if you could tell anybody who's going through something, I mean, is there a phrase you say, is there a pass down? What's your kind of out, outlook on what you would pass to somebody and in, in their hard times in life?
2: Um, I think that 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 the toughest climbs have the prettiest views, and that when you feel like you can't climb anymore to keep climbing because the the view once you get to the top is gonna be worth all that pain and all that toughness and all those moments of questioning and worrying and so the the toughest climbs have the prettiest views and and to to stay your path it's it's the moment where you feel like giving up or where you feel like it's not going to happen or you feel like you'll never get there. usually right before your breakthrough. And so to hold, hold on to that and trust that that breakdown is just getting you geared up for your breakthrough.
1: Well, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's a good one. I hope you don't <laughs> mind if I steal that. That's, that's, that's uh that's no, something. I'll tell you what, I, just amazing you're an amazing human being thank you so much for coming on here if i tell you what before we before we close this up can you tell it uh tell our listeners or tell the team how they can follow you find you and what you got coming up what you got going on
2: yeah they can i'm pretty i'm mostly active on instagram so they can follow me on instagram um it's at arlen v1 and then i have actually a clothing line with uh, a collaboration with jockey coming out next month so that's kind of a big uh
4: Congratulations. Big and I
2: just finished taping. Oh, thank you. Um, and I just finished uh, taping American Ninja Warrior Junior. And then um, my foundation, the Victoria Victory Foundation, we're doing a lot of good work. So uh, those are kind of the three, the three big ones going on uh, right now in my life and just trying to make most of this second chance I've been given.
1: Well, you're a ninja. All right. I tell you what, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Part of ninja training is that mental part. You kind of, that usually comes at the end of it, but you got it out of the beginning. I tell you what, thank Thank you you. so much. (laughs) I I, I just, I'm inspired.
2: Well, you guys inspire me and, and I'm so honored to have been on this. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate
1: it. You bet. Take care of yourself and have a great rest of your day.
2: Thank you. You as well.
4: That was probably one of the most amazing conversations, A most amazing individual that I've had the opportunity to speak with because if you just lay her story out at the age of 11, at age 11, Comatose State, 2000, it comes out four years later, 2010. The only thing she'd do is blink her eyes. 2012, she wins the gold medal, breaks a world record in the Paralympics. And then eight years later, she's up dancing with the stars and still can't feel her legs. I mean, there's, there was a thousand one questions I wanted to ask her because I think her story and what happened to her, because she had not only the cognitive but the physical the disabilities as well. And then here she is not back to baseline, but close enough that she can have a functional life. What did you, what did she, you know, we didn't get to get into it, but wh- what did they give you? What did you do? What rehab modalities did you use to get you? I saw her do a box jump. I swear the box, the box of four and a half feet.
3: She was incredible. I mean, people talk about getting in their heads and like having mental blocks. Imagine being in your head for for four years.
4: I don't know if you guys read her book or not, but you know the first her first words. Y'all know what that was? Nope. They hurt me because she was inside, locked in, and all the doctors and nurses and she was in that ner- in that home. Hurt her. Golly, man. And she's sitting there just taking it. Can't tell nobody. And to come out of that nightmare, and then and then all the adversity and obstacles that she had to overcome to, to get to where ESPN commentator has got her own foundation dancing with the stars, you know,
3: and she's young still.
4: She's 25. I think is what it was. She thinks she's 25 like now. That, yeah, she, she, she was born a year. We graduated high school. Born in 94. She should run for president. <laughs> yeah, she was awesome. <laughs> her smile. I don't know if you've seen you, you guys. I mean, if any, if any of our listeners hasn't have not seen a video of her on Dancing with Stars or just anything, I mean, her smile is infectious. It's got to be. It's amazing. But I, we'll try to get all that information and share that with listeners on. Um,
3: yeah, we're gonna try to get some more stuff from her because her interview is just. You know you can only put so much in 30, 45 minutes, right. and so we've got a list of questions that we hope to send her, and maybe we'll release that on. Patreon or on our website, but just be on the lookout for that extra content that we should be releasing. There's people
4: out there that know someone or have someone in their lives that are struggling with some sort of disability. And th- there are answers out there that maybe you just don't know about because it's not off public consumption or just you don't have access to it.
3: If this was your first time listening to this show, we are putting out this type of content every single week. People with stories that shock us every week. I feel like every time we talk to someone, it's like, who, who has the greatest never quit story? I don't, I don't know. Like The people that we have on are so incredible. So if you want to be the first one to know when we drop new episodes, you've got to make sure you've subscribed to the show. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can press the purple button. It says subscribe. Pretty much any other mo- major podcast player has a subscribe button. Click on it. You'll get notified when we drop episodes. And uh, yeah, you're going to want to stay in, in touch with what we've got coming up. Did
1: today's episode ignite a new fire in you? If there's one thing that I've learned, it's sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass, and your story could be the one thing to change their life forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the Share Your Story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be read on one of our upcoming episodes.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
5: ba 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 Spend your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time.